Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Pure Hope with your host, Reverend Janice Hope Gorman. Hope is the name the angels gave Reverend Gorman. Help open planetary eyes. And that's what we hope to do on Pure Hope. Thank you for joining us. Welcome, everybody, to the Pure Hope Show. This is a live episode on the Pure Hope Show, and our uh, evening, as you listen to this uh, in the afternoon or in the evening, it's going to go in our archives so you can listen to this anytime you like. We are going to be talking about leadership, and I believe this is a very important um, blog talk, Pure Hope show. And what better way to um, introduce Jeffrey Van Dyke as an international speaker about leadership? He is a strategist and a guide who works with highly successful leaders and founders in the second half of life who know that they were meant to have a transition into their life's legacy and have a really, really meaningful, lasting impact on the world. And that's who Jeffrey is. That's what Jeffrey does. He has worked at Microsoft. Jeffrey personally designed a speaker training system to help world-changing leaders like Peter Jennings, Bill Gates, and multiple heads of state uh, share their message more effectively with the world through online technology. Jeffrey has also spoken on stages around the world. Here's just a few of them, Australia, Europe, the Middle East, and across North America with audiences from 50 to over 500 and then some. As a two-time president of the International Coach Federation in San Francisco, San Francisco, co-founder of both the Spiritual Marketing Quest and former CEO of Big Vision Business. His online and in-person programs have impacted hundreds of thousands of entrepreneurs, hundreds and thousands of leaders worldwide. Known for his rare combination of keen inner sight and highly strategic business uh, uh, ability. Jeffrey has a proven track work record, and that's why I called him up to speak to us today of helping leaders across the world, across our nation, men and women, build thriving businesses with their life's truest calling, and they have a significant and lasting global impact. Jeffrey currently leads a distinctive monthly event series in Los Angeles to help spiritually guided celebrities, business leaders, and founders become more powerful leaders, create the work that only they can deliver to the world. He really believes that each of us has a gift to give to the world. And he believes that business is being used to evolve humanity. You very rarely hear that. And that you and I are on the forefront of that evolution. We are at a defining moment in the history of this planet, are we not? And we are stepping into a new world that none of us has ever seen before. We have the potential to create heaven on earth through the vehicles and structures that we do call our businesses. And we do call our leadership abilities and where we're leading people into. And that requires leaders like you who are listening now and I to be more diligent than ever before in staying attuned to what our unique role is in reshaping this world. It also requires us to be pragmatic as much as we are visionaries. I don't just live in a world of ideas, Jeffrey says. He's committed to helping the visions of the new world take form in a way that has real and lasting impact in our world. And so this man has a, a change agent within him that is so incredibly strong and helps all the change agents in the world at this time. And so it is an honor as well as delight to introduce you to Jeffrey Van Dyke. Hi, Jeffrey. How are you, my dear? Hello, my dear. I'm, I'm delighted to be here. Thank you for having me. Well, I thought this was really an important subject. And, you know, you and I have talked along the way about powerful leadership, divine leadership, and divine power 
And one of the things is we are witnessing right now upon the planet is this absolute change with um, the movement of social justice and the pandemic that has happened here, not only in our country but around the world, that so many businesses and so many leaders are in some ways sweating bullets, I believe, <laughs> really, yeah. and yeah. wondering if they should restructure their organization. So I wanted you to speak a little bit about the leaders who are listening perhaps tonight and will be listening to this recording, and they're sweating bullets about what comes next. What do you think is coming next right now? Uh I think what's coming next depends <laughs> depends on how we show up. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I, I, I don't think there is an absolute about what comes next. Um, w- what I can say is that holding on to what's been isn't an option. Right. Love it. So, yeah. uh, you know, in terms of the sweating bullets, so much of that energy is going, you know, Hey, look at look at what we've built. Look who we have on staff. Look at the uh, products we sell, uh, the services we deliver. What are we going to do with this? Uh, is it still viable? If so, how? Um, you know, what's going to happen next month? What's going to happen in six months? What's going to happen in a year? Um, for many years now, my guidance has uh, continued to tell me, Jeffrey, you're here to help leaders experience a holy expression of power. You're here to help make power holy. And uh, sometimes I hear this stuff, and, you know, it just it comes in, and, and then uh, I go, okay, wait, wait a minute. What the heck is holy power? Um, and I, I still remember the, I, I was driving down the highway, having this conversation in my head with my guidance, and, and the answer just came right through. And it was Jeffrey. Holy power is the complete expression of divine truth in real time without hesitation, manipulation, or control. Holy power is the complete expression of divine truth in real time without hesitation, manipulation, or control. And I believe that if we are here to be part of where we're going, not just a remnant of what's been, the tool set that'll bring us there is that kind of power, being in alignment with our guidance, tuning into what's wanting to happen in any moment with your staff, with your product, with your market, with your marketing, um, and, and really using spiritual guidance as a practical, everyday leadership tool. And uh, when you ask, like, where are we going, um, uh, again, my answer is, I don't know where we're going. I don't think any of us knows where we're going. But I do know that your best option for getting there <laughs> and actually uh, instead of like, whoo, I made it, right, just slid right through. But instead <laughs> of just trying to get through, actually being a part of what can and wants to emerge at this time in our world, you can be part of it as a leader. And, and I believe that's the number one tool that's required to be a part of it. Hmm. Hmm. Well, I love it, you know, on your resume and on your intro, um, you know, and also we talked before the program came on, we talked about what what are you doing, Jeffrey? And, and you said that a lot of your clients that come to you that are attracted to you, and I believe a lot of the leaderships, uh, new leaders that are coming out there, they are called to bring in a new story to the world for global change. Um, yeah. And so this is going to probably be an interesting question as well. So is there? do you think that there's an age range? Like are the younger people stepping up to a calling to bring in the new story? Is it older people that are waking the heck up (laughs) and bringing in the new story Uh, for global change? What do you see? uh, Well, I think younger kids just aren't having it, right? They're like, we have inherited a a bit of a shitstorm, excuse my language, right? We've we've inherited uh, a, 
a world that is falling apart, that isn't broken, uh, you know, that, that isn't going to work in general and certainly is broken for us. Young kids, uh, you know, kids 30 and under have inherited not just uh, uh, environmental degradation, uh, racial injustice, uh, stuff around uh, gender identity or, or gender expression. Uh, they've also inherited the worst possible time to enter the workforce, right? So yeah. you, 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 you've got the millennials who entered during 2008 and that recession, and now you've got these kids uh, trying to establish their careers and build their careers uh, in the midst of who knows what this is going to be. Um, and so, you know, sometimes we, we demand more when we've got not a lot to lose, you know, uh, just the other day I watched, uh, last night actually, I watched a new documentary on Netflix called Disclosure. And it's uh, Laverne Cox, the black trans woman who is in Orange is the New Black, that show on Netflix. She helped produce it. And, um, you know, she was saying, uh, and, and, and it's about uh, transgendered people in media over the last 100 plus years. Uh, Part of what I believe is happening is we are wanting a new story for ourselves. We're wanting a new story for humanity. Um, and leaders can either be part of telling the new story or, 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 again, try to hold on to the past. So, you know, she said, uh, we made this movie because trans people, you know, 80, 80% of people in the U.S. say they don't personally know someone who's transgendered. Uh, and we made this movie because the only depictions we saw were either we were the butt of the joke or we were the axe murderer. Um, you know, and growing up and seeing that, wondering who the heck you are, that's one story to tell. And uh, now a new one's being told. But here's the piece that uh, when it comes to younger kids in particular uh, that I want to reference from that documentary. She talked about the Stonewall riots in, uh, in, in, in the 70s. Um, and uh, I think it was the 70s. <laughs> I might have my history wrong. <laughs> 69. Um, uh, and how a lot of the, uh, you know, that, that Stonewall Inn, this gay bar in New York, was not a bar full of preppy young uh, gay men. It was a bar for you know, trans, transsexuals and, and people that were not necessarily gender conforming or other things. And when the police came and raided again and again and again, at some point that fateful night, they said enough's enough. And they just didn't have much to lose. Right. Uh, and so they rioted. And I think that's what we're seeing in our world right now is uh, uh, whether it's uh, young people around um, race, uh, uh, around uh, opportunities financially or other things. They're just saying like, hey, I don't have a lot to lose. And so they're being a voice that's demanding more, that's demanding different. Um, and anybody that really looks at our systems in the world, from our financial systems to our healthcare systems to our education systems to our uh, prison systems to our police systems and beyond, can look and go, our, our systems are broken, right? It's not just, oh, shoot, uh, <laughs> we had coronavirus in 2020, you know, darn. No, our systems are broken. And the new story we're wanting to live into, I believe, is part of building a new foundation for how we live together in society. Um, and so, so much of what I think, you know, we, we think we know <laughs> about our world. I don't know how fast it's going to change, but I believe it is changing. Um, and uh, uh, so, you know, the question for me is, are you going to be part of that change? Are you going to be part of telling this new story? And um, when it comes to our businesses, uh, you, you know, I, I, I can imagine people going like, okay, that's great. And 
what exactly does this have to do with my business, right? How does my business fit into, how does my leadership fit into this larger narrative in our world of this change? Um, and, and the answer, I believe, is uh, it'll be revealed one step at a time. Um, you know, uh, one of the things that I'm seeing in terms of a new story in, in my industry at least, uh, there's a significant conversation around white privilege, white superiority, racism, um, and unconscious bias. Uh, And small companies that I think didn't necessarily have to engage in that conversation are leaning in and starting to take the blinders off and go, holy holy cow, I never saw how uh, systemic racism is. Uh, because, of course, the people with privilege are the last people to see their own privilege. <laughs> um, so this is where I believe listening deeply is a requirement. Listening deeply for what is ours to do, with whom, and how. And that's where that spiritual guidance component comes in. And when I when I say spiritual guidance, uh, you know, I, I believe that all businesses uh, that were started with a spark of inspiration, right, uh, that were started with uh, a, a big idea, uh, that spark of inspiration is still at the heart of that business. I believe we can tune into it. We can tap into that spark of creativity. Uh, we can listen to it. We can get nudges. We go, oh, this is, this is different. Let's try this. Right? Here's a different way into solving this problem. Never thought of that before. Yeah, it might be a little risky, but hey, let's give it a try. Let's see how it goes. Um, in my own company, we're changing a number of structures in how we deliver our programs. We're changing some structures around pricing. And it's all from this underlying sense, hey, there's something different brewing here. There's something different that wants to happen with this course. There's something different that wants to happen with how we deliver this program. And we listen and we discern and we discuss and we talk with our clients and we make changes. Um, and and, and I, I think that's a requirement more, more than ever for leaders today. Um, so I, I could go on. I'll stop there for a moment. <laughs> Because one of the questions, I know that a lot of people who listen to our program, the Pure Hope Show, is that they are younger entrepreneurs or they're thinking about entrepreneuring or they're, they feel like they might be a leader that is here to bring in the new story. And I was going to ask you, um, like, how did you find out, how did you come to the revelation like, oh, my God? Um, I think I'm supposed to be a leader to bring in the new story to create global change. Was that just purely through just being silent and going, and you just see a ladybug bug land? I mean, it's all the stories are so interesting. Yeah. I, I don't even know if I could answer that, but uh, do you have an answer well, for that? I have a I have a starting answer and then a second answer. My first answer is. It started on a fateful date with a guy named James. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, this rest- restaurateur in San Francisco. Um, I was set up on a blind date, and uh, we were on this date, and he told me how he used this business coach to start his business. And that this uh, coach asked him things like, how are people going to feel in this restaurant? What kind of conversations are they going to have? You know, if they leave and talk to somebody about their experience the next day, what might they say? Really uh, discerning the soul and the spirit of the restaurant first and then said, okay, great, what's the price point? What's the location? You know, the neighborhood we want to put it in? What's the decor, et cetera? And I was fascinated. Um, it just, like, this idea of building something from the inside out to that way uh, – it just captivated me completely. And at the time I was at Microsoft and uh, I quit and got trained as a coach. And, you know, 15 years later, here I am. Um, 
so that's kind of the origin story of that. But I would say, you know, I didn't start out going, ooh, I'm here to help leaders tell humanity's new story. That wasn't the first step, <laughs> you know. Um, it was, oh, I'm on this date, and I'm fascinated. And then I took a next step and, and, and explored getting trained in, in, in this thing called life coaching 15, 16 years ago. You know, I was a corporate trainer before that. Um, and uh, one thing at a time, one step at a time. And the thing that I know about the universe is it speaks on a need-to-know basis. So a lot of times people are looking for the sure thing, right? They're looking for the sure bet. They're looking for certainty. And uh, I get that. I mean, heck, at the time I was living in San Francisco on a salary from Microsoft, and I was like, I do not know how to transition from this full-time job to this new career and make it work financially. Um, And there's all sorts of interesting, fun stories of serendipity uh, along that journey. But I'll say this. Um, the universe works on a need-to-know basis, which, which is to say that it gives you signs. It gives you nudges. It opens doors. It says, hey, talk to this person. Bump into that person at the grocery store. Uh, sit next to this person on a plane, if you're flying, which we might not be doing right now. Um, uh, And that's the next step. And then there's this aha, this inner sense, oh, I should do this. I should go here. I should talk to that person. I should take this next step. I should get involved with this organization. And that's, in my experience, usually about all you're going to get. Because think of it this way. The universe is basically saying, hey, if we we open some doors for you and you don't walk through those – Right? If we give you the next step or two or three and you don't take that action, why the heck are we going to give you steps 9, 10, 11, and 12 down the road? That doesn't make sense. Right? We're going to overload your system for one because it's going to feel like way too much to do. Uh, and two, the whole purpose of following a calling is to develop your trust, to develop your faith. And if you want to be a leader right now, in, in times of great uncertainty, what people need more than anything is a sense of connection. And the people that have the strongest sense of connection, in my opinion, are the people who have a deep sense of faith. Now, this can be faith in God, faith in your path, faith in your guidance, but faith. Uh, because th- nobody knows the rule book for the world we're in right now. Right? There's no certainty other than listening and following, and then listening and following. So if somebody's sitting here saying, hey, I'm feeling, uh, and, and, you know, in my world, there's a mixture of uh, younger people that you described that are feeling this calling to be a part of a new world. I also have a fair amount of people in their 50s and 60s who've built a lot of success and acumen and now spirit has tapped them on their heart and said, Hey, next chapter, right? There's something more for you to do. Um, and so whether you're younger or uh, uh, older, if that's what is happening, right? Then I would say, you know, well, how, how do you, how do you do this? How do you answer this call? One step at a time, one step at a time. And, and <laughs> uh, the message I'm getting right now is um, usually our fears are not so much about the very next step. The fears are about our projection of what might happen 15 steps down the road, 10 steps down the road, 20 steps down the road, right? Will I make the money I need to make? Will I have the connections I need to have? Will, you know... <laughs> Will my spouse support me? (laughs) Um, uh, But oftentimes those are not questions that need to be answered when you're asking them. They might need to be answered down the road, but 
usually those questions that produce the fear about the future are not the questions about the very next steps right in front of your feet right now. They're projections about steps you might have to take down the road. And what we forget is that as we just take the steps in front of us and build our courage and build our faith, we build our leadership and we build our capacity to do things that right now we might not be able to do. But by the time we encounter the decisions we fear having to make, the crossroads we might encounter, we will be, I guarantee it, might not be easy, but you will be the person that can absolutely navigate that landscape. And so the biggest thing I, I, I would say is take one day at a time, one step at a time, listen deeply, and just take that step and then listen again. Hmm. That is really good advice. Now I'm going to ask you another important, I think it's a really important question because you have been with me as a guide and a student and we've helped each other along the way. I have been lucky enough to have a husband who found it curious uh, uh, and difficult to watch me be a, um, a person who brings in the new story of pushing the mm-hmm. envelope to the edge, but he has in all ways, shape, and forms, financially, emotionally, mentally, and I would say even spiritually, he has supported me going towards my dream or my vision or creating that. What happens when you feel this pull to be, and, and, and you're really called, you really feel called to bring in the new story, but your spouse or your significant other or your family are confused, perhaps negating it, making fun of it, or not supporting it. What would, advice would you give to them at this time? Yeah. Um, first, I'd say it's not easy, right? Uh, so I'm, I'm not saying, oh, here's the magic answer for that one. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, I, I, I've been supporting people on these kinds of paths for, you know, uh, 15 years now. And um, what I can say is as people step into their paths and develop their courage and faith along the way, um, one of two things usually happens. Either that marriage is built on a different foundation and uh, it, it just can't go where you're going. And so, yeah, I've had clients who've, in the process of answering their calling, uh, you know, dissolved their marriage because it was not congruent with the life they were called to lead. And I will tell you, almost invariably, in fact, I cannot think of one example where while incredibly difficult and painful in the process, uh, years later when I run into them or talk to them or connect with them, um, their lives are beyond what they would have imagined, right? Oftentimes finding a spouse that becomes their true champion and partner in their journey. Um, and they had to lay claim to something about who they are and about their journey and the process. And that laying claim is essential. Um, now, I've also worked with people whose spouse was not necessarily on board, but what their spouse was responding to wasn't so much the call, but my client's own uncertainty, right? They were feeling their spouse's uncertainty, and it made them scared. And then, you know, there's reactivity and blame and all that sort of stuff. Um, I do believe that the deeper our certainty in our path, our certainty in our call, uh, the more we lay claim to, I, I know I must do this, uh, the more the universe goes, great, we'll give you the resources to support you. And either their spouse becomes that resource or something else happens, right? Um, yep. I remember uh, talking with Pete, uh, my partner, uh, a good number of years ago now. And I had a 
big event I was putting on. Um, and I was nervous, and we were on a walk, and he just stopped and he looked me uh, dead in the eyes, and he just said to me, Jeffrey, you must do this. You must. Uh, and he said, either you're going to soar or crash and burn. Chances are it'll be somewhere in the middle, but you must do this. And I remember uh, a couple of days after that saying to him, you know, I'm just so blown away that you're as committed to my calling as I am, right? Like it just, I, I, I've never met somebody that's as committed to my calling as I am, like, you know, and, and he just said, no, Jeffrey, I'm not committed to your calling. I'm committed to you and you're committed to your calling. Oh my God. That's beautiful. Right. And for you, I see that you must do this. Uh, and that's what I hope for people is to have – their partner does not need to understand their work. Pete doesn't really totally get my work. Uh, he works in – he has a corporate job. He has a big, you know, he works at a big company. He has a big job. Uh, he doesn't totally – he doesn't really get my work. Um, I was coming down here to be on this uh, show, and Pete was like, what are you – yeah, I'm at, a, I'm at a, a blog talk show today. Oh, with whom? And I told him a little bit about it. He kind of looks at me. He's like, okay, have fun. Right? Um, so your partner doesn't necessarily need to get your calling. They need to get you. They need to be a champion of you and see that you must do the thing you must do. Um, that's what I hope for people is to have that kind of champion in their life. That is so important to hear. I hope everybody hears even just that gem and pass that gem on because, you know, you know my husband, Paul, and he's very pragmatic. He's very practical. And so his platform and the work that he does needs that practicality and that pragmatic. And so then he meets me who lives in the spirit world and hears um, – the inner voice and the outer voices of our angels and guides. And he says, so what do you do again? Who are you? Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and so how, and I, I belong to the spirit world, and he is the pragmatic, practical man. And you hit the nail on the head when you said, um, he has been my biggest champion in my life, and it wasn't that he was championing necessarily my mission but he was championing me because he believed in me, he trusted me, and he loved me. And I think that yeah. is the ticket for success, really. Yeah. That's, you know, uh, really- uh, just to stay on this for one more moment, when I met Pete, I was um, ooh, I was uncertain. Um, my mind was uncertain, let me say that. Pete was not like people I had normally dated. He wasn't overtly on a spiritual path. He, you know, like I said, worked a corporate job, had a pretty like traditional life in many ways. And um, every time we'd go on a date, I'd drive home or I'd hang up from a phone call and I'd just have this big old smile on my face. And, you know, talk about just following one foot in front of the other I just followed that smile. <laughs> and um, my brain would sometimes kick in and go, oh, you know, oh, he's, he, can't, he can't be right. This isn't it. And it's not what I imagined. And it wasn't my vision of the kind of person I thought I'd be with and whatnot. But then my guidance, I, I was like a little dog with my guidance. And my guidance would just say, stay, uh, stay, <laughs> right? Stay right there. Uh, just follow that feeling you have when you've been with them. And um, I remember talking with you and you told me about uh, you and Paul and you said, you know, sometimes if you're a kite, you need someone who can hold a string. Mm -hmm. And that's when it made sense to me. So thank you for that. Yes, you're welcome. And I love mm-hmm. I love the scenario that you say. It's kind of like a dog. You want to run, but you're telling yourself, stay, 
stay, just stay, don't run. Yeah. See how this yeah. pans out, and so yeah, it's a beautiful and, thing. And 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 whether it's with a romantic relationship or a next step in your career or a cause you feel called to be a part of, look, my brain couldn't make sense out of it. It did not fit my narrative uh, of relationship, but my guidance, frankly, didn't give a crap. <laughs> You know, my guidance was like, no, this is the kind of person you need. You don't need another kite. Guess what? After a little while, y'all fly away in different directions. Uh, You know, and so regardless of what the thing is that's put in your path that feels right, even though your brain can't make sense out of it, uh, the only way I knew how to show up to that relationship was was to follow that one word, stay, right? And it was yeah. like, okay, I'm staying right here. My brain's freaking out, but my gut was quiet. Wow. Wow. Yeah, so, it's, you know, it's also like, where, where are you placing your attention? Oh, sorry, go yeah. ahead, Hope. Yeah. Um, it's, it's like people too many times, whether they are – um, global leaders in change and they're out there, whether it's an entrepreneurship or a business or or even partnerships, um, is that we push the ejector button right away and we eject ourselves out, put a parachute on, fall to the ground. And we, I, I've seen lots of incredibly potential powerful leaders and teachers and they just somehow eject themselves from that seat and because they're too fearful or, you know, they jump. They jump ship. They jump ship. And mm-hmm. then it mm-hmm. motion. And, and the next question that I have is, is that because of the, and we perhaps talked a little bit about this, but the uh, burnout that leaders are having right now um and we talk about the frontliners, and congratulations to all of the tremendous frontliners who have been working in the healthcare ministry of our doctors and nurses and our truckers and things. But there's also frontliners are the leaders, are the spiritual leaders, mm-hmm. and many of them are having burnout. And so I was wondering if you had... Um, three tips that you believe in these challenging times would be helpful for people to hear at this time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, First, uh, uh, I will second that uh, gratitude, heartfelt gratitude for people on the front lines. Uh, And in different ways, each one of us are on our own front line. Uh, And so the first thing... I'd suggest is tell the truth about what is. Tell the truth about what is. Uh, And if that means, yeah, for right now, I am up to my eyeballs, I'm burnt out, I am at my wit's end, then start there, right? Uh, We can't get anywhere if we can't be with what is. And so that's the first thing. I think a lot of us are trying not to be where we are, (laughs) especially, uh, you know, when we're suffering. We tend, as humans, to like to push that away. Um, And so the first thing I would say is tell the truth about what is. Um, And, uh, you know, Brene Brown said, if you don't own your story, you can't write the ending. Uh, and I believe we are here all endeavoring to write a new ending um, for our own lives, for our businesses, and in this world. Um, but sometimes, uh, you know, and that's a, that's a bigger idea, but sometimes it starts with, okay, the truth is I need some time. You know, Pete and I, uh, three weeks ago, and Pete, Pete has a big corporate job um, with lots of demands and pressure. And we just had to get out of town, right? Uh, we rented a place and spent, spent four days by a lake. Um, and I came back and my business manager was like, oh, you look so great. You look refreshed and revived. And I'm like, 
yeah, I spent some time just cooking some food and reading a book and hanging out by a lake. It's what I needed. Um, you know, and sometimes that is getting away for four days, but I know that that's not always feasible. Sometimes it's getting away for five minutes, right? Sometimes it's putting on uh, guided meditation and getting grounded. Um, but most of all, most of all, most of all, the first thing around telling the truth is to tell the truth about what is, where you're at, and then to get quiet. So much of the burnout comes from trying to manage chaos. <laughs> um, and uh, our brains, you know, Einstein said you can't solve a problem from the same consciousness that created it. And so oftentimes the way we're approaching these increasingly exponential problems is beyond our mind's ability to keep up, right? Uh, The ways we're used to navigating the world, it's just, it's not working. And so that first piece, tell the truth and then get quiet. And that is... um, in those quiet moments is often where a new idea comes. Oh, have this conversation. Oh, take that step. Uh, you know, when for, for, for me, uh, I've had two courses uh, that I launched. One was launched right after the pandemic really blew up, you know, that weekend where the grocery stores were bare. <laughs> um, yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, and I'm like, holy crap, how am I going to launch, launch a course as the world is blowing up, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I had to get really quiet to, first of all, discern whether or not I was meant to go ahead with it in that time. And second, if I was, and I, the, I, the message I got then was, yes, go ahead, but I pivoted the whole frame for all the marketing pretty much overnight. And it came in a quiet moment where I got the insight about what the conversation really needed to be with my audience about that opportunity. Um, So that's the first thing I'd say is tell the truth, get quiet. Um, And, uh, uh, oh, one other thing, this is just a little aside about that. I would also encourage people to go on rants if needed. Sometimes we can't get quiet because there's so much going on in our heads. One of my favorite tools, grab a journal, grab a Word document, open an email to yourself, uh, and let it rip. Uh, You know, set a timer for 10 minutes and just go on a rant. And after that 10 minutes is done, take the piece of paper and tear it up or throw it away or delete the document. Don't keep it. Don't show it to anybody. Don't email it to anybody. This is just for you to get the sludge out of the way and then sit and be quiet for another 10 minutes and see what shows up. So that's the tip or tool I'd recommend around that one. That's great. Uh, I have two others, but if there's anything you want to share on that, go ahead. No, I think that that burnout people are afraid to say, I'm burnt out, especially if they are leaders. Because, oh, my God, you're a leader. You can't be burnt out. And and I think that's when you say, tell the truth of what is. Yep, Um, yep, yep, yep. And if you're a leader, oh, the most powerful thing you can do is – Make it safe for the people you lead to tell the truth and lead by yeah. example. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. So that's the first thing. The second thing I'd say is partner with your guidance. Uh, so often folks that are on a spiritual path, I find um, they're not really partners with their guidance. They more like date their guidance. <laughs> um, and here's what I mean by that. Um, we tune in, right, and we get a calling or an aha or an insight. And we go, ooh, look what I just heard. Look what I got. And we're a little high for a minute. And then we basically unplug from our guidance and say, thanks very much. I'll take it from here. 
And uh, we try to move ahead. Oh, I got this thing that I'm here to do. Here's my calling. Here's what I'm up to. But we use our own will to try to shove it into existence once we get the download about the thing. That is not partnership, right? Partnership is I'm staying in relationship, staying in dialogue with my inner guidance as I execute on an idea. Oh, what should I do today? What's my next step? Who should I talk to here, right? Uh, uh, And staying in partnership. This is not subservience. I believe this is a really different way to be in relationship with spiritual guidance to say, oh, we're partners in this thing Um, and to treat it as such. Uh, And, you know, whether you are in that dialogue in your quiet moments or one of the things that works well for a lot of my clients is a a, a type of journaling um, called active imagination. It's based on... uh, uh, tool Carl Jung developed. Um, but the way I teach it is you basically get a piece of paper out again or a journal or whatever, and you, you write back and forth with your guidance. And, and the trick on this one is, this is not straight journaling. This is where you label each voice. So if I were doing this with my guidance, I would, I would label J for Jeffrey and say, hi, uh, you know, spirit, I'm, I'm, preparing to be on the Pure Hope show today. What should I really know before I go in? What state do you want my heart to be in as I show up to this conversation? And then S for spirit. That's what I call my guidance. And then I just wait for an answer and I write whatever comes. Right? And I go, oh, that's so interesting. Tell me more. And then S and I let flow whatever comes next. And I'm in this dialogue with my guidance. I do this around business decisions. I do this in how to manage my team members. I do this in uh, preparing for talks like this. I do this around pretty much everything I do in my business. And, um, you know, I I have a client right now who's owner of a big hotel chain, Um, you know, which is an incredibly difficult business to be in right now. Um, And have taught him and his team to do this as a team. And he said, Jeffrey, it's amazing. Uh, We'll have a discussion. Uh, We'll not know where to go. We'll all take five minutes, get quiet, do this. We'll report in on what we learned. And almost invariably, we all got basically the same thing. He said, our decision-making is so streamlined Our team is tighter than it's ever been. And uh, he's like, I don't know what we would do in these wild times if we didn't have a tool like this to actually connect with a collective source of guidance that can support us all. So that's the second thing I would say is partner with your guidance. If you want to lead right now, be a partner. Love it. I, I told somebody that today when I was doing a reading session with them is that it, are your guides as well as your inner wisdom, are they just an acquaintance to you or are you having a, a, a love affair with them where you are really partnering up with that? Acquaintances is that you meet somebody and you say, well, uh, um, it's been wonderful to meet your acquaintance and then you might not never see them again. And just Mm -hmm. as you had said, some people believe that's partnership with their divine guidance, and it is not. It's just that they're using it as an acquaintance. What's once an acquaintance? Every once in a while it's an acquaintance. But to really be dynamic, you have to have almost like a love affair with that inner guidance and the guidance that is around us at this time. You know, sometimes when I talk about this, I say, uh, a la Lionel Richie, are you a part-time lover or are you a full-time partner? Right. Love it. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, it is like a love affair. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So here's the last thing I would say, uh, and this is not words of comfort. This is this is us talking about leadership with leaders to leaders. Use your voice. 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 Uh, 
leaders are people with platforms. Leaders are people whom others follow. Uh, when I moved to Los Angeles after many years in San Francisco, uh, I'll never forget this drive uh, on the 101 between SF and LA. Uh, and if you know anything about people in San Francisco, they hate Los Angeles. They, they totally dog it. Um, and I'm like, why am I feeling called to move to Los Angeles? So weird. Uh, you know, I love food and wine and San Francisco is a great city for that. Anyway, I heard this message loud and clear and it said, Jeffrey, every city brokers a different form of power. D.C., political power, New York, financial power, Silicon Valley, the power of technology. L.A. is the power of story. In the beginning was the word, and the word was made flesh. We create with the stories we tell. If we want to build a building, we dream it up first. Oh, I, 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 I'm thinking of a building that looks like this, and it's going to have these kind of windows and this kind of vaulted ceiling. And then we go and we talk to an architect, and they draw it up and say, oh, does it look like this? And we go back and forth, and uh, then after a while, uh, we agree on the plans, and we take it to a builder, and guess what? Sometime later, there it is. And it started with a story. It started with a story we told. And uh, I believe that as leaders, we are here to help tell humanity's new story. Uh, and this is happening all around the world. Uh, Pete, uh, my partner, uh, who works in the world of corporate marketing, uh, was at the American ANAs, the American National Advertisers. I don't know, uh, the ANAs. <laughs> but it's all the big, like, you know, the, the chief marketing officers from Procter & Gamble and Clorox and all these big companies. And uh, the CMO from P&G, Procter & Gamble, did a keynote and said, hey, we are doing a bad job of representing the women we sell to in our imagery and in our marketing. And uh, he partnered with the ANAs, with this national association, to create a campaign called the See Her Campaign, which is expanding the vision of women in advertising around race, uh, around ethnicity, around body type, and beyond. And the next year, they expanded it to, just call, to a campaign called See All. So it's not just happening with small entrepreneurs. It's not just happening with mid-sized companies. It's happening with multinational companies that we are the people that can make a change, that can tell a new story. This CMO came to all these CMOs and said, we can do better. <laughs> Pete came home and he's like, I don't know who helped get him woke, but uh, – you know, somebody had a conversation with that guy because um, and, and, and it's changed the landscape of the marketing narrative uh, across the globe. Oh uh, and God, each I one of that. us has the ability to use our voice. So that's the, the last thing I would say is use your platform, use your voice, be bold, take risks and tell a new story. That, that is great. That is great. I um. Again, uh, doing another Zoom, doing another class, whatever I was on, I talked about the mechanics of words, and that mm. words are of the me that if you have a word and you use that word, it has the mechanics that indeed when you just said include all includes all, the mechanics of that word and those words superglued together creates an inclusiveness that does indeed vibrate out even beyond the whatever they're selling, whatever they're producing, whatever they're providing. It's the mechanics of that word is has a resonance, a frequency to it that is about inclusiveness. And it's so delightful and so wonderful to hear uh, visionaries and storytellers um, bring forth those words that have the mechanics of inclusiveness, the mechanics of, of upliftment, the mechanics of um, love and joy and happiness and brings that super glue of that energy. And that's what I see the new story 
Teller is using is they're much more articulate and specific and intentional and conscious as they're using their voice because that whole thing you and I have talked about, everything's created from the Word, and the Word is God. Um, mm-hmm. The mechanics of those words, uh, words are powerful. Words are powerful. So, yeah. I think that's yeah, wonderful. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amen to that. That's what I think. So, Amen to that. So how can our listeners and uh, anyone who is listening to this and will be listening to this because this will be in the archives, where can they get a hold of you, Jeffrey, um, if they are wanting to learn more about who you are, what you do, or have you speak to their businesses or organizations? Well, how can they get a hold of you? Yeah. Um, well, I love being in touch with uh, anybody who is listening to the Pure Hope Show. Um, so the easiest way to get in touch is uh, just the website, the courageous messenger, um, the courageous messenger.com. And um, you can find uh, all sorts of stuff there. Um, we have lots of different opportunities to be in relationship with us, uh, podcast episodes, all sorts of stuff. Um, the other thing I'd say is uh, right around the corner, um, in fact, uh, if anybody's listening live, tomorrow I'm doing a training on the stories to tell now. Um, and that's at thecourageousmessenger.com slash stories. So if anybody wants to join us for that, that's at 2 p.m. Pacific time tomorrow. Um, but either way, uh, thecourageousmessenger.com or thecourageousmessenger.com slash stories. Um, those are probably the easiest ways to get in touch. Or you can find us at The Courageous Messenger on Facebook as a community. That's great. That's great. Well, as always, I love you. I'm going to end, and I would love you to uh, all the listeners as well as Jeffrey and all of my beautiful assistants that are helping me with the program tonight, Janelle and Amy, is that I always tend, and I love to end up with powerful quotes. And um, this is my first one that I chose for today. The ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in moments of comfort and convenience, but where he stands at times of challenge and controversy. And that was Martin Luther King, Jr. Mm. Next one. Promise me you'll always remember. You're braver than you believe, and you're stronger than you seem, and you're smarter than you think. And that's Christopher Robin to that to Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> I love it. Love I that. love it. Tough times. I love it. I love it. Never last, but tough people do. Robert Schuler. Hmm. We must meet the challenge rather than wish it were not before us. And that was William J. Brennan Jr., which is he was associate justice for the U.S. Supreme Court. And, of course, Jeffrey Van Dyke says, Collectively, we are magicians, we are storytellers, we are guardians, we are dreamers, we are entrepreneurs, we are liberators, we are leaders of the new world. The world is waiting for us, and the time is now. Let go. Jeffrey Van Dyke. So... As all that sinks in, let's go, leaders. Let's step up and move forward and be global uh, uh, shakers and bring in this new world that's so ready to come forth for the next seven generations to come. And I always loved it when the Native Americans say that when you do this, you're doing it for the seven generations that went before you, and we're doing it for the next seven generations that will come after us. So thank you, everybody. Thank you, Jeffrey, for joining us. It's been mm, thank you, my dear. Delight, absolute delight. Uh, always, we are meet on the last Tuesday of every month, and so join us next month where we'll be having a dynamic conversation such as this as well. God bless you all, and Namaste, Namaste, Namaste. Until we meet again, God bless. Thank you for tuning in to Pure Hope by Reverend Janice Hope Gorman. 
And until next time, remember that true greatness consists in being great in the little things. Be kind. Be gentle. Be loving. Be true.